Ring the bell. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the WrestleCast with Shirozi, the only pro wrestling podcast out of the Middle East. And today I am joined by my tag team partner all the way from the UK. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome once again, Joe. Hello, it's great to be back and it's amazing that we can do this from our respective countries. As you say, I'm in the UK at the moment. It's awesome that we get to catch up and talk about the year of wrestling from the other side of the world. If there's one thing that we've learned from coronavirus, it's how to communicate effectively. It's awesome that we get to do this. It absolutely is. And what's more awesome is that Zoom lets you record one-on-one without cutting you off. So that makes it even better. Yay! <laughs> Now... To everyone out there in the world, this episode has come out on New Year's Day. So a happy new year to all of you. Let's hope that this year somewhat gets better and it keeps moving forward. And hopefully wrestling picks up again where it left off. 100%. Happy new year, guys. Last year was insane. This year is going to be better and we're all going to be COVID surviving champions. We can wear our vaccines like a championship belt, I am sure. <laughs> But before we jump into this year, there is no way that we cannot look back on 2020 and talk about the so many standouts there were in the year. So we decided to do an end of year awards episode. Absolutely. We're going to be looking at the male superstar of the year, female superstar of the year, tag team of the year, breakout wrestler of the year. So those guys breaking through pay-per-view of the year, feud of the year, match of the year and moment of the year which could be a match could be something separate that uh, we'll see um all of our listeners have been voting and their masses some were super super close it was so hard to call there'll be some superstars out there who are just not happy about the result before we dive into the results we're just going to talk about what a crazy year it's been and where do we even start we've gone from traveling around the world filling arenas to almost like the days of territories where Each company has a staple arena, and that's where you go to watch it. It's crazy, right? It definitely is. Looking back, I think the last live pay-per-view with the crowd I remember was the Royal Rumble. And mm. to jump from that into the Performance Center with no crowd for so many months, and then somewhat of a smaller type of crowd with the NXT superstars being there, cheering everyone up. It was a huge difference and a huge jump to take in. But now that everything's moved into the Thunderdome, it's much better to see the fans virtually and somewhat still have that old vibe of live shows. I mean, it was strange at first, wasn't it? Particularly with WWE, it was just eerily silent. But you kind of got that feeling that we were all kind of in it together. But I found that the wrestling ended up being a bit of a refuge of escapism where eventually all your favorite stars were around the ring cheering, which is just something you never ever see. It kind of snowballed into like a shared space of solace, almost like a community group. It spawned the birth of our podcast for a start. We were able to take time out to discuss wrestling in more detail with all the lockdown and quarantine, but it just felt like being part of something a bit more than a weekly TV show this year. I think wrestling has done a lot for people all around the world this year. It definitely has. And A lot of people that I've had the opportunity to speak to, a lot of them have said the same thing you just said. Wrestling kind of became a place to go to for everyone during the tough times. A lot of the people said that it was the only thing that was getting them through. And that kind of shows you that we don't appreciate wrestling sometimes 
when it's live. We have crowds on there and we're always saying that, hey, this could be better, that could be better. We still did throughout the pandemic, but nevertheless, companies did whatever they could and really pulled off an amazing year for themselves. So wrestling really has been that anchor that's kept everything in place and everything much better. Yeah, I mean, that is one privilege of being a pro wrestling fan. You get to sit and say, well, I would have done this differently. It's a bit like being a Star Wars fan, isn't it? You've almost wrote the show in your head before you've even watched it. And if it's not what you imagined, then it was wrong. You can't do right for doing wrong. But huge props to everybody who's worked in any form of professional wrestling, whether it's WWE, AEW, or just kind of local promotion. These guys have had an absolute storytelling nightmare with wrestlers coming and going, people on quarantine, people getting stuck in different countries, to a point that you'll probably remember we saw a lot of the same superstars across the evening or across the same shows. There was a time when I thought Charlotte Flair was the only person left working for WWE. (laughs) She was on all three shows about eight times a week. They must have been playing that Uno plus four card every show. It was like a house of mirrors. Everywhere I looked, it was just Charlotte Flair. <laughs> but nevertheless, now that I look back at it, I'm sure you can agree with this. You can't blame the people backstage who are making the show, writing the show, because of the limit they had when it came to talent. Again, like you said, so many people stuck overseas, so many people not being able to make it due to COVID, and just trying to do the best they could on shows with the limited number of superstars they had. I still feel like all companies did an amazing job. Despite there being ups and downs with the superstars, some superstars getting released, joining other companies. And to be honest, I felt like those released superstars from any company have become even bigger now that they've joined a new one. And it's really great to see everyone just pushing through and still growing. Absolutely. And before we move on to the awards, it's worth talking about some of the standout moments and how both WWE and AEW set out their respective stalls. If you look at AEW, they were the first to invite some kind of audience. I know it was their superstars, but for me, they kind of took the lead initially because it still had a bit of atmosphere. Whereas that the eerily quiet performance center from where WWE were performing from initially, that was tough viewing, wasn't it? I mean, the guys did amazing to carry a show with no audience, but I felt AEW kind of took the lead there. But then, of course, we saw WWE do what it does best and just produce amazing production with the Thunderdome, which just changed the face of how we watch wrestling, I think. That was huge. It's so impressive. Obviously, it's not the same as a live arena show, but it's unreal, isn't it, as a spectacle? It definitely is. And... The eerie vibe with no crowd watching matches didn't really feel as much fun. Even when it was WrestleMania, sitting there and not having a crowd cheering on the superstars, it really took away that vibe of what WrestleMania really is. WrestleMania is the fans and it's for the fans. Mm. It was definitely a jump to a different level, but they made it up. I'm happy with it. AEW's just been off the charts. 2020 was their year. Within a year, they've managed to become one of the biggest promotions out there. Kudos to Cody Rhodes. Kudos to everyone backstage at the AEW production facilities to do everything they can to really get the promotion out there, put up great shows, bring in superstars, really hone their talent, and make everything such a success for themselves. And I personally believe that we still need a WWE versus... AEW invasion like we had back in the day when it was WWF versus WCW. 
We're never seen ever in the world of pro wrestling. But I think both companies have turned many corners this year. One of which WWE's is WrestleMania. It's two nights now. I think it's always going to be two nights from now on. That's it. It always will be. I'm confident that from next year, it'll be a two-night event. Like over in New Japan, Wrestle Kingdom is now a two-night event. I think that's the way it's going to go. Because if they can fill an arena two days in a row, that's twice as much money. And if you're already going for one night, you might as well stay for two. Definitely, that could be a option in the future. And seeing that there's nothing 100% in wrestling, it's always best to expect the unexpected because that's how wrestling really has that spark and how it keeps that spark. So mm. I'm really excited to see what 2021 has in store when it comes to wrestling. I'm excited to be able to watch new content and learn more from the superstars every week. Absolutely. Now, I've got a couple of lists that I've compiled that just breeze over some of the cornerstones and checkpoints from across the year that might not necessarily get picked up by the awards, but they've been quite important. Feel free to jump in wherever you like. So for WWE, I've got the introduction of the Thunderdome, which we've already discussed, was huge, was a game changer. Roman Reigns turned heel this year, something I've been praying for, but I never thought it would happen. The New Day has been split across the two shows. As you mentioned before, there's been a mass exodus of talent. WWE said, you're out to a lot of people. Something that we both kind of said before might be a good thing, but they were brave enough to do it. And in my opinion, it's worked well for lots of people. Like you say, some people have moved over to AEW and other brands. Edge returned at the Royal Rumble right at the beginning of the year. The Undertaker retired. WrestleMania's two nights that we've discussed. Goldberg, remember Goldberg was on our screens earlier this year. He dropped the title to Braun Strowman. And we've seen the rise of The Fiend. So Bray Wyatt in his uh, brand new character has just kept the place alight as the fiend with the firefly on the house. And if you think all that's happened this year, it's pretty remarkable. It definitely is. And Roman Reigns coming back during the fiend and Strowman's match, I thought, oh God, not this again. It's going to be the same thing over and over and over again with Reigns. But no, I was wrong. Comes out mm. on SmackDown the following week. And hail the wrestling lords above, he's finally healed. And The Fiend's really been killing it with his gimmick, especially now that Alexa Bliss is involved. So I'm really looking forward to those two things on WWE. Honestly, my jaw was so far on the floor when the camera panned out and Paul Heyman was sat next to Roman Reigns. You could have reversed a truck into my mouth. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> But it's about time, and I've always said this, he needs to be a heel before he'll ever be fully over as a babyface. And he's absolutely smashing it as a heel, to be honest, because one, he's got Paul Heyman, so he doesn't really have to say much. But what he's doing, I think he's doing really well. And as they always say, be an exaggerated version of yourself. And I kind of think that's what he's doing by tapping into his family heritage. I think that was a good way to go. It's a bit more real, moves away from that kind of shieldy gimmick that we're all a bit tired of. I obviously don't support Roman Reigns because he's a heel and all that, but I'm on board with Roman Reigns now. If there's anything good to come out of 2020s, it's probably that. Absolutely agree with you there. And I really feel like this one's going to have mixed feelings from everyone, but Roman Reigns needs to lose Jey Uso. I don't like him taking that spotlight when it comes to matches because if I'm being sold Roman as a heel... I get that he's going to have help from his family. He's the head of the table. But at the same time, 
Jay can't be winning all the matches for him. He can't be doing all the hard work for him. Reigns has to really kick that door down, come out, and be able to do his own thing. Now, from that, I want to quickly jump over to The Fiend. I have no clue why WWE have him lose so many matches. I have no clue why Bray Wyatt's the top superstar who loses matches but is still pushed to lose only more matches. Now that he's aligned with Alexa Bliss, I am waiting for that one big blow that has everyone on the ground in surprise, just wanting more and more from The Fiend. And I know everyone's wanted to see his character really develop and see his full potential, but right now it's just looking a bit choppy. Well, it's looking worse than choppy. I have to admit, what with the holidays and things, the last time I saw The Fiend, he was on fire in the middle of the ring. So (laughs) things are not looking good for Bray Wyatt as far as I'm concerned. But perhaps this is an evolutionary checkpoint for him he's gonna morph into something even more demonic which i'm all for keep pushing that envelope because he's doing a great job and speaking of demons and the dark side the undertaker he's finally retired can you believe it at wrestlemania this year it was his last outing against aj styles and i thought it was awesome i thought it was a great homage a great way to go obviously not ideal because he would have liked to perform in front of an audience but in terms of the story they got to tell, the production and the physical capability has went in his career, which I'm sure he'd probably agree with, as mentioned in the documentary on the network. He knows his body doesn't do what he wants it to do. So I thought it was really fitting and to see him cycle off into the night was pretty cool. Obviously, he had his moment at Survivor Series because of the anniversary and everything. Fair enough. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him one more time once there's an arena full of people because it's The Undertaker's entrance. But in terms of a retirement match, it was pretty damn good. It definitely was. I think that's one of the first cinematic matches that I thoroughly enjoyed. And that was so well done that... I wanted more on every pay-per-view. It was that good. But at the same time, I feel like retirement doesn't mean anything in wrestling anymore. How many times have we seen Ric Flair in the last month, (laughs) let alone since he retired? (laughs) He's there every week. Someone's giving him free tickets. Oh, boy. But yeah, I don't think retirement is the way to go in wrestling. Do what Sting did. Hey, this isn't goodbye. It's just see you later and then pop up on a different promotion it's definitely sad to see the undertaker go but i think he's one of those superstars that even if you were to come back multiple times on shows or just appear on tv i would never say anything to critique that because one it's the undertaker two there's no way you're critiquing the undertaker and part of me just wants to see him come back in front of a crowd and have a proper retirement For sure. I mean, if you do want an extra fix, there's a video clip of him tombstoning a pumpkin on Saturday night television in America. (laughs) Only The Undertaker could do that and everyone would be cool with it. I still wouldn't say a bad word. Oh yeah, definitely. I don't want to be tombstoned into the ground or be chokeslammed or go for a last ride. So all The Undertaker critique has never existed from my side. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't us, Taker, I promise. (laughs) But it's really fun and really inspiring, I'd say, to see a man who for 30 years refused to have a single interview outside WWE stay in character, have so much respect for the company and for the business itself to remain that way in anonymity of who is the Undertaker outside the ring. 
So to see him come out and do all of that right now, go for interviews, talk more about his life, the last ride on the network, it's really good to see him like that. And it's finally amazing to learn who The Undertaker really is. It definitely carries weight and has more impact to the fact that he's been silent for so long and you know that this guy is an absolute genius. So, yeah, any word that comes out of his mouth, I'm on the edge of my seat, just like, feed me more, feed me more. And speaking of retirement, now there's been no official word, but obviously we saw Goldberg back this year. Do you think that's the last we'll see of him? Do you think we'll see him again? We're probably going to see him this year against Reigns. If WWE's willing to go down that track and have a Roman Reigns versus Goldberg angle with Reigns' current character, I'd welcome it. And I feel like Goldberg is the only current legend from the Attitude Era who hasn't gotten a proper send-off. He can do a lot more, I feel like. And this one match with Reigns, or how many ever matches they split it up into, obviously I'm thinking WrestleMania, Roman Reigns versus Goldberg for the title. So if that's the way the story of Goldberg comes to an end or if that's the way the story of Goldberg leaves in suspense I welcome it I have no complaints with that I agree I don't think that match at Mania was really the best send-off for Goldberg it wasn't supposed to be against Braun in the first place the match was clearly last minute it was scrappy wasn't really much of a match and I don't think it did him any justice I do think there's one last hurrah for Goldberg and like I say does him justice is out him with Undertaker well the less said about that the better and then again with Braun don't think it really showed how strong he can be like his little matches with Brock Lesnar they were really good but since then I don't think he's quite been on the mark for one reason or the other who knows why but I definitely think there's a stone left unturned there I for one am looking forward to see it be turned speaking of turning some members of the roster were actually turned away from WWE and it actually led them over to AEW so Speaking of the lists and things of stuff that happened across a year, I'm going to read my AEW list for you now and feel free to jump in. Well, the main thing is it survived because COVID could have been horrendous. And it's not only survived, but it's grown, it's thrived. We've seen the introduction of the TNT title. We've had a new heavyweight champion, new tag team champions, lots of new signings, some coming out of WWE with like Miro and Matt Seidel. And then, of course, most recently Sting. And just a really innovative approach to the product like the Falls Count Anywhere match, Stadium Stampede match, uh, the pay-per-views were just a couple of highlights. For me, AEW, it's been a different kind of development, different corners turned to WWE. Definitely. I feel like AEW have taken a more hands-on approach since it was their first year in business. I feel that Cody being one of the owners really stepped up, really put his finger on each superstar and built a great story for each one of them, worked with everyone individually. Everyone backstage at AEW really stood out. And not to put WWE in any backseat position, but for me, I feel like where WWE was slacking at the start of the pandemic, they really made up and reached the top of the ladder again where they always were. AEW has also managed to do that with just one year in business. It's good to see that there's so much coming out of them during a pandemic. It's good to see that the superstars that were released from WWE were given a chance at AEW, whether it be temporarily, like we saw Matt Cardona, formerly known as Zack Ryder on there, 
Sean Spears is on there now. So many former WWE superstars have moved to AEW, been given a chance. I'm just set to see that EC3 then join AEW. EC3, I thought he might make the move, but then, of course, Gallows and Anderson, they went down to Impact. I say down, I don't mean that in a derogatory fashion. I literally meant geographically, because Impact is filmed in the south of Florida, so you can't can't really get much further south. (laughs) They headed over there. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some names pop up in Japan. It's been interesting, and I don't think it's necessarily the end either. I still think there might be a few names that pop up here and there that you go, oh my gosh, especially between those who've gone to Impact, I think they might make appearances maybe over on AEW or in Japan. And I think, for me, looking at who AEW have signed, this kind of highlights the difference between AEW and WWE. AEW is a wrestling show with stories. WWE is... A story show with wrestling. I can put AEW on any week. It could feel like a bit of a random card, but you know the matches are going to be, <laughs> hate to use a word, they're going to be dynamite. You know when you've landed on a word in your head and there's just no avoiding it. <laughs> you know it's just going to be an absolute car crash, but you kind of have to say it. It's like getting to the end of a line in a song where you're singing it and you're like, I don't have to get to this bit. Anyway, yeah. But you know the matches are always going to be gold. They're always going to be brilliant. Whereas with WWE, they're more about that build of the story usually leading towards a pay-per-view. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if one thing has returned already in 2021, it is Joe's bad wrestling puns. Yeah, where's the award for pun of the year? I didn't see that on the list. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you never know. It can pop up as a surprise like 2020. And there are a couple of nominees. You may be surprised that you weren't the winner already. No, really? Really? Right, let's get in the ring. Let's have a battle royal of the pun variety. (laughs) <laughs> I'll knock those other contributors over the top rope with my <laughs> cheesy wordplay. That would be a good stipulation for a match. <laughs> Amongst the coronavirus outbreak, I thought maybe that's the way it's heading because I thought these guys aren't even going to be able to touch each other. So it's just going to be promo wars. What do you think about that, about AEW being a wrestling show with stories and WWE being a story show with wrestling? Both companies have made each approach unique in their own way. Obviously, WWE has the option to do what AEW is doing and follow their approach, but I feel like there's more story with WWE. They really want to build it up, and at the end, they want to give you the big ending. No pun intended. (laughs) God. (laughs) We've been on the air for like 30 minutes, and you're already making big e-puns. Man alive. (laughs) Right, with New Year's resolution, no puns in 2021. You say that, but I'm expecting (laughs) another 50 puns by the end of this episode. I was going to say, do not expect that to last. I know what you mean. Like, for example, in AEW, you might remember Cody defended the TNT title against Sonny Kiss. It was an amazing match. Then I didn't see Sonny Kiss in anything related to Cody for the rest of the year. But it was fine because it was a kick-ass match and both of those guys got over in the fans' eyes for being great wrestlers and that's where the emphasis seems to lie in the eyes of the fans at an AEW show. It definitely does. And I feel like since AEW has started, wrestling fans have been cut down the middle and they've chosen sides. They've chosen if they're going to side with AEW or WWE and I feel that AW having that unorthodox approach and that unpredictable approach have really pulled in most of the fans. But for many of the fans like me who've been loyal to WWE from a very young age or for a very long time because it was 
pretty much the only promotion around a mm. while ago. I feel like those fans are never going to really transition into AEW. They might watch an episode or two, but they'll yeah. never be true AEW marks. It depends who you are. I find that kind of reductionist approach a bit futile in the sense that it doesn't really do anybody good. I know what you mean about feeling low to WWE because it had a monopoly over the industry for so long. But I watch both. I love both for different reasons. Admittedly, I don't really watch anything else. You know, when people are like, oh, have you seen that new box set? You've got to watch it. Oh, it's so good. I bet no, because I watch three WWE shows a week. (laughs) Sometimes catch dark. And then if there's a pay-per-view, well, that's it. So (laughs) I have no idea what's going on in the news. But in the world of professional wrestling, I'm on it. But yeah, it really is a lifestyle choice. But I think there's room for both because, like I say, they do have different approaches to the business. And I think that is reflected in our awards. And I'm really looking forward to actually going over them now because as we talk through the nominees, there are nominees from each promotion. And I'm sure AEW are going to pinch some, WWE are going to pinch some. So it'll be interesting to see how that weighs up by the end of it. AEW only a year old. If they pinch an award, great. They've not really got anything to lose. It's going to be interesting to see where we are head to head by the end. There are eight awards to win. So it's a bit like a Survivor Series in a way, isn't it? It definitely is. And counting the votes for some of these, they were close. And when I say close, it's literally, what's to say? The skin of your teeth? Skin of your teeth, yeah. That's how close the votes were. To announce these awards throughout this episode, we're going to have multiple guests from different podcasts and different promotions, and we're going to let our thoughts be known to the listeners of what we think about the winner and their standout performance throughout the year. It's been an amazing year on the WrestleCast. Not only is it AEW's first year, it's our first year, and we've really enjoyed getting to know wrestling fans, promoters, superstars from all around the world. So thank you to all our contributors and every single listener who's tuned in across the year. Everyone who's engaged with us on social media is awesome. And thanks to those who went above and beyond to get involved in announcing our awards. It's worth pointing out at the same time that you and I have also done one as well. So (laughs) I know that we're not anybody special. (laughs) Like We're not pretending to be other people. We just did one. Should we kick things off? Our first award? Our first award of this episode is going to be the pay-per-view of the year, announced by Jay Lambrod of Wrestling ME. For the nominees, I hand it over to Joe. Here we go. So for pay-per-view of the year, there was WrestleMania 36, Royal Rumble 2020, AEW Double or Nothing, NXT TakeOver Portland, or AEW Revolution. And of course, for all of our categories, there was an other as well. So if you didn't agree with any of the nominees, you could put your own in. So that's it. WrestleMania 36, Royal Rumble, AEW Double or Nothing, NXT TakeOver Portland, AEW Revolution, or other. And these pay-per-views were hard to choose from, I'm sure, for everyone, because they were amazing. And a lot of the pay-per-views we had said to us were indie pay-per-views as well, which were amazing once I had a look over them. And I'm pretty sure you all would agree with the winner. So without further ado, take it away, Jay. Hey guys, Jay Lamron here, and I'm here to present you guys with the Pay-Per-View of the Year Award. You guys voted, I voted, everybody voted. 
And when I look back over this year, I think, wow, so many shows that have put a smile on our face during this difficult time. And quite frankly, there's one show that tops it. We all voted for this. I know you guys did as well. The 2020 pay-per-view of the year goes to, drum roll please, AEW Double or Nothing. An amazing show from top to bottom. It Cody winning the TNT title, the stadium stampede match, Moxley versus Brody, the women's title match. Fantastic from start to finish. I'll see you guys next year. Wow, AEW Double or Nothing for pay-per-view of the year. And what a pay-per-view it was. It was amazing. Sounds like Jay's already booked himself in for next year's award show. See you next year. Okay. Well, I can't disagree with him, though. Double or nothing, what an event. It was the highlight of AEW's calendar for me, particularly because it featured the stadium stampede match, which was just unreal. I've never seen anything like it. I don't think I'll ever see anything beat Hangman Page on a horse chasing Sammy Guevara. It just had everything. I mean... Chris Jericho gave a Judas effect to the mascot. <laughs> what? I think it's now in his entrance video. I mean, only in AEW, I swear. It was a lot of fun, a very pivotal point of the year for a lot of us. So came at the right time. They just knocked it out of the park. It's literally out of the park. It was awesome. They made the best of a bad situation. They just got Daly's place with the football pitch and were like, we are going to use it and use it good. And use it good, they did. What a match. And I don't watch AEW that much. The only occasional episode I'll watch is if it's up on YouTube and it pops up on my daily videos. Other than that, I think the Stadium Stampede match is the only match that I focused so much on, apart from mm. Orange Cassidy moments. For sure. Just in the interest of balance, I watch AEW all the time. I'm currently sat wearing an Inner Circle t-shirt. So we are balanced broadcast, aren't we? We definitely are. What a great start. So at the moment, it's 1-0 to AW if you're keeping score. Not what I expected, to be honest. I'm very happy because I thought it was awesome. But yeah, it's good to know that AW being represented out there. Here's where it gets interesting. AW double or nothing. And the runner-up only had a difference of one vote. Oh, really? What was the runner-up? AW Revolution. What? <laughs> wow. It depends how much you want to go into it, but one thing we've always said is that there are so many WWE pay-per-views, especially with the NXT takeovers now as well. It just feels like a machine great through these stories to get to the pay-per-views. And whereas I know AW have less, so when they do have one, they really go to town. It is really climax in a story. So maybe that's why they prevailed. They do lean towards more of an adult audience as well, so that's worth bearing in mind. But interesting that they would take the top two slots. I was not expecting that. Neither was I, but looks like AEW really did a number on the fans and they're really pulling them in, like we said before. Before we get lost in the world of AEW, like we usually do on fantasy bookings, let's move on to the next episode. Uh, next episode, we are on one. Next award. Get it together, Shozy. Jeez Louise. <laughs> Stumbling into the new year. <laughs> For our next award, we have MGB Graham of the Good Cop, Bad Cop Wrestling Podcast, also based in the UK, and he will be announcing the match of the year. And for the nominees, once again, I hand it over to Joe. 
Here I am with my gold envelope. So many choices this year. We had Randy Orton versus Edge at Backlash. Adam Cole versus Pat McAfee at NXT TakeOver 30. Sasha Banks versus Bailey at Hell in a Cell. John Moxley versus Minoru Suzuki at NJPW at the New Beginning in Osaka. Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles on SmackDown. Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus the Lucha Bros in AW Dynamite. Kenny Omega versus Pac on AW Dynamite. The Elite versus the Inner Circle Stadium Stampede at AW Double or Nothing. Kazuchika Okada versus Kota Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom 14. Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus the Young Bucks at AW Revolution. That's a mouth-watering card, isn't it? Do you know what? Let's just sack this podcast <laughs> off and just go and watch one of those matches because <laughs> any of them could win. Oh, definitely. And as you can see, the nominees mm. were stacked and it was hard to compile a list like that for the nominees. So without further ado, let's hear the match of the year winner. Hey, this is MGB Graham here. One half of the Good Cop, Bad Cop Wrestling podcast and also one half of the MGB Wrestling podcast. And it's my honor to announce today the winner for the match of the year. Now, leading up to this, I've actually seen a few lists come out recently, obviously being around the end of the year. And both teams actually featured pretty prevalently in this top 10 list. So it was very possible they could have actually been some vote splitting here. Anyway, the teams both came from AEW. I made a special effort to dress just for you guys. Tuxedo can find it. This was next best thing. The winners are of the WrestleCast Award for Match of the Year, Hangman Page, Kenny Omega versus the Young Bucks from AEW Revolution. Congratulations, guys. I'm out of here. Wow, what a match that was. Correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but that was a match for the ages. It was epic. It was high spot after high spot, false finish after false finish. I didn't know when it was ever going to end. It was like the never-ending story. And sometimes, this is just my personal opinion, I do feel like, is it a bit of a short sell? The fact that that sometimes happens, but I was so wrapped up in this one. I was like, hats off. You just got to respect the hell out of what they're doing because it was incredible. The athleticism of those guys, the agility, the stamina that they had to go on for that long as well. Just incredible. Honestly, I've never seen anything quite like it. It was amazing to hear about this match from so many people in our group and online that it makes me wonder how much longer these guys could have kept going had they had the option to. And to be able to put this up on a pay-per-view, take it to different levels and really push themselves as competitors towards the edge of pretty much a new level, it's amazing to see and I hope that 2021 has a lot of this in store for us. Hangman Omega, Young Bucks, if you're thinking about a rematch, do it, please, because it was epic. And a huge props to Graham there for repping the AEW t-shirt. I fully appreciate it. He couldn't get his tux in time. Who needs a tux when you've got a wrestling t-shirt? That could be on a wrestling t-shirt. Let's get that t-shirt made. The first ever WrestleCast t-shirt could say that. Who needs a tux when you've got a wrestling t-shirt? I'm actually running out of regular clothes now. <laughs> I've just got that many wrestling t-shirts. <laughs> that would definitely be a good merch idea. WrestleCast merch, let's make it happen. It definitely is happening. There is a spoiler for the new year. We're going to be moving on to Feud of the Year. And wow, were there a bunch to choose from. And I'm pretty sure when you hear the nominees, you're going to keep changing your choice every 10 seconds because it was that tough to choose for me personally. I'm pretty sure it was that tough for Joe to choose as well and everyone around the world who voted. But I think that 
the winner really took it away and put up a great show. So I'm going to hand it over to Joe for the nominees. For the nominees, uh, we have got Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton, Adam Cole and Pat McAfee, The Undertaker and AJ Styles, The Inner Circle versus The Elite, Cody Rhodes and Darby Allin, John Moxley and Kenny Omega, Randy Orton, back again, and Edge, Bailey and Sasha Banks, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston, Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. Wow, that's a mouth-watering list, isn't it? It could literally be any of them. Um, some fantastic feuds this year, and we're actually going to hand over to Wrestling ME's very own Shaheen, who is here to announce our winner. Hello, everyone. It is the Middle East's highest flyer, Wrestling ME's own Shaheen. Today, I have the honor of guest announcing the category of the feud of the year for my buddy Shozi. Now, if you look at it, these two superstars took 2020 by storm, and I find myself absolutely proud of them for what they were able to accomplish in the middle of a pandemic. And there's no denying that these two brought eyes to the product whether they not only had one, but two incredible takeover matches in the past, which grew without a debate to become one of the most compelling one-on-one -on -one feuds which the main roster could have provided at the time. And I know that they realized the significance of it as well as they clashed inside a hell in a cell. They always go out there, push themselves to the limit and entertain those of us lucky enough to watch them perform and do what they do best. And if you look at their opening match on SmackDown last month, it was the most watched portion of WWE programming since the beginning of the pandemic. With that being said, it seems pretty definitive that Sasha versus Bailey wins the 2020 feud of the year. And if they decide to reignite that feud, I cannot imagine a better stage for their clash other than WrestleMania 37. I couldn't have chosen a better winner. I couldn't have wanted yeah. a better winner. What I'm so feud. glad. I'm so glad they won. Sorry to talk over you. I'm just so glad that they won. Same. And if the listeners haven't heard my love for Sasha Banks on our review episodes of SmackDown and Raw, trust me, you do not know how happy I was for this feud to, one, take place, two, for it to turn out the way it did, and three, for it to be a winner out of so many great feuds throughout the year. Absolutely. You are definitely the biggest Sasha Banks fan I've ever met. And the biggest fan of her wardrobe. You're always complimenting her outfits. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? She always looks great. I'm thinking of dyeing my hair blue or pink, maybe. 2021 could be the year. It definitely could be. And I'm going to quickly track back to the match of the year because, again, only missing out by one vote, the runners-up were Sasha Banks versus Billy for Hell in a Cell. Oh, really? Oh, that was such a good match, though, wasn't it? Those guys have just been absolutely killing it haven't they all year i remember earlier on in the year when we were talking about their friendship at the time when they were tag champs and we were like oh it's definitely building it's definitely building it but they just did such a good job it was so good and then when bailey finally snapped it was like oh my gosh because we all expected it to be sasha right who was gonna turn her back on bailey after bailey kept throwing her under the bus but no 
Ah, oh, it was a story that just kept on giving, wasn't it? It was absolutely fantastic. And big thanks to Shaheen for coming back onto the WrestleCast and announcing the winner. And he'd like to see that match at WrestleMania 32. Sorry, next WrestleMania 37. Are we on 37 now? Now they've stopped naming them. <laughs> I have no idea. WrestleMania is just like the only constant in my life. But I can see that. I think there's definitely scope to have that match again. 100%. There definitely is. And I'm looking forward to what Sasha Banks and Billy do once again if they decide to feud or if they go their own separate ways. But part of me really wants that magnet to bring them back, put them in the feud again. And like you said, a WrestleMania match should be in the making. Yeah, you could and, go, ding dong, hello, WrestleMania moment. <laughs> I love that. How has Bailey managed to get ding dong, hello over? I don't know. <laughs> She's just passionate. I love Bailey right now. Her face character, I loved, but her heel character gave me more. I love mm. her. I honestly don't think someone sat in a board meeting was like, what if Bailey said ding dong hello? I think she probably just did it and it stuck. They're the things that make wrestling great, aren't they? I can honestly see those guys being in a Feud of the Year awards nominee list next year. Maybe in respective feuds with other people, like Sasha's killing it with her feuds at the moment, Bailey's relining herself with a couple of other stars, so there's definitely potential. There definitely is. And for the runners-up, and I say plural because runners up, I know you're going to be on the edge of your seat because mm-hmm. the runners up again, just by one vote each. And these are both first runners up, keep in mind second place for both of them. John Moxley versus Kenny Omega and John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston. That's understandable. Both really good rivalries. I do think the storytelling was better for Bailey and Sasha though. Moxley and Eddie, I think probably pipped it in terms of a rivalry for me over on AEW, just because they're both so good individually. And it's been great to see Eddie Kingston rise to the top of the card, but they were clearly scheduled builds to pay off at that event. And then that was it and all about it. I never really got the same feel of investment that I got from the Bailey and Sasha story. So I think the right team won at the end. And now let's move on to moment of the year. And I was 100% set on my moment of the year as soon as it happened. To announce the moment of the year, the special guest, ladies and gentlemen, is none other than Pun Master Joe. Hi, my name's Joe from the WrestleCast, and I'm here for the WrestleCast moment of the year. Well, it's been a hell of a year anyway, and particularly in professional wrestling, where not only have they had to deliver moment after moment, but they've had to adapt to the crazy world that's been COVID 2020. Just looking back at the year, and there have been so many memorable moments. Roman Reigns turned into a Paul Heyman guy. The Fiend's been on fire, literally. But the votes are in, and you have spoken. And this year's moment of the year goes to perhaps the most R-rated moment of all time. That's right, it's Edge's return at the Royal Rumble. It took me by surprise and it lit a fire in my belly I haven't felt since the early 2000s. So thanks for voting. What a moment that was. The music I never expected to hear again. And that too in this era. I never expected Edge, a guy I watched growing up to come back after such a injury that he had to go through. But to see him come back, spear two or three people in tandem, take out everyone in the ring and really build himself up again for that feud with Randy Orton. I want more of Edge and I'm really hoping he comes back stronger. 
Absolutely. As soon as I heard that, you think you know me, it was like, what? I think everybody in my building jumped half as high as I did because I literally shrieked. I could not believe it. Especially after a few of the duff Royal Rumble entries we've had over the year. You might disagree with me, but Nia Jax, Roman coming in at number 30 that time after he'd already been in a match earlier that night. Those kind of things really aggravate wrestling fans but edge back and having it kept such a secret as well well done i take my hat off to wwe it was awesome that actually levels us up at two apiece wwe have two awards now aw have two awards this is going to be a close call isn't it this is going to be very close closer than i thought i honestly did not expect aw to have this many for it to be so even at this stage but we never know we never know what's going to happen next and speaking of what's happening next tell us about our next award our next award is one of my favorite awards of the episode because it is the breakout superstar of the year. And again, did we have a huge number of superstars who stepped up to the plate and really hit a home run with their storylines, with their characters, and in terms of really going over with the fans. And I feel like I'm more excited for breakout superstars of the year compared to those already established on the brands. That's because we get to see new blood injected into the scene and really be a part of that growing stage of these breakout superstars. I personally found this one really difficult to vote for because I know I've said it before, but it could have gone to everybody because respectively, they've put themselves on the map and really earned their place. So with no further ado, here are the nominees for Breakout Wrestler of the Year. Austin Theory, Shotzi Blackheart, Dexter Loomis, Angel Garza, Mia Yim, Bianca Belair, Orange Cassidy, Nyla Rose, Eddie Kingston, Otis, and then of course the other category if you wanted to recommend somebody. I noticed as I was reading that list out, your facial expression changed with everyone. Like, oh, well it could be, oh, but definitely it's got to be them. Couldn't it be him? <laughs> it's such a difficult category. It definitely is. I was tied up myself on who to vote for. But at the end, and when I tell you this, the winner won by a landslide. So keep that in mind. 95% of people voted for this winner. So without further ado, to announce the breakout superstar of the year, we have Jay, the captain, and Fezlo from the second Turnbuckle Wrestling Podcast. Take it away, guys. Thank you so much for watching the WrestleCast Year End Awards. We are the second Turnbuckle Wrestling Podcast. Thank you so much, Josie, for having us on. I'm Jay. I'm the captain. And I'm Fesla. And we are here to introduce to you the breakout star of 2020. Glad some things broke loose in 2020 because it was a little crazy over here. Yeah, it's been a hell of a year. And wrestling got us through it. And seeing these kinds of people who just broke out this year and found success in this year, it's really hard to do with this many challenges. And speaking realistically, wrestling has been one of the most constant things for the community as a whole. And just being able to sit back and watch wrestling while you're stuck at home, doing work and doing everything, and seeing these larger-than-life figures, it makes it all worth the while. And that's the reason why we are here to announce the winner for the Breakout Star of the Year. The Breakout Star of the Year for 2020 is Orange Cassidy. Damn right it is. And honestly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this man had 
an incredible 2020. Killer matches with Chris Jericho, with Brody Lee, with John Moxley. Who remembers the AEW Revolution match with Pac at the beginning of the year? I mean, match of the year contender, for sure. An incredible talent. This man can do a kip-up with his hands in his pockets. Speaking of pockets, we only have a short pocket of time to get this in here. Hey, listen, Google us. We're dope. The second time about the wrestling podcast. Shameless plug, Shozy. You know you love it. <laughs> and always remember, folks, just like Orange Cassidy, stay freshly squeezed. Freshly squeezed. Freshly squeezed. <laughs> I loved that short pocket of time pun as well. That's it. My New Year's resolution is over. Like if other wrestling fans are on board with the wordplay, <laughs> that's it. 2021, I'm coming for you. Awesome. Now, before I jump on to Orange Cassidy being the winner, Jay, for that shameless pun, wow. But nevertheless, Orange Cassidy, what a winner and what a superstar he's been. Just like the captain said, this guy can do kip-ups with hands in his pocket. Name one other person who could do that. Well, you haven't seen me first thing in the morning. I'm just ever so sprightly these days. I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) I struggle to get out of bed, never mind a kip-up. Really interesting to think of Orange Cassidy's character at the beginning of the year and then being able to see what he can do in the ring. It's astounding. And I think this is a really good example of how other people can help somebody get over. There's always two people in a wrestling match. I remember Jericho was talking about Orange Cassidy on his podcast, and he was saying that when they first started AEW, they were like, who is this guy? He doesn't really kick properly. He's got his hands in his pockets. Like, why the hell is, have we got him? And then it clicked. They were like, we can make money with this guy. There's no one else like him. Put him over. People will buy into him. And that's business, isn't it? So absolutely nailed it. And it just goes to show that you can literally make anything work in professional wrestling. You definitely can. And if a guy like Orange Cassidy can go over so well with the fans, I'm pretty sure any superstar, if they work on themselves and really make it their goal to kick that door down and walk through it to make themselves that top superstar, it can happen. I'm going to flash back onto this one Orange Cassidy match I will never forget. It was in this rundown gym, I believe, with a luchador. And Orange Cassidy fell asleep in his arms like a baby. And in order to win the match, his opponent covered him, but instead of letting the referee slam the mat, he said, you're going to tap the mat three times so he doesn't wake up and I can win this match. In the end, the referee sneezed, woke Orange Cassidy up, who did a hands-in-his-pocket kip-up and won the match. So if that doesn't tell you, I don't know what will. Honestly, anyone who says kayfabe is dead is lying. (laughs) (laughs) That is insane. But it works. People will suspend their disbelief if it's entertaining enough. So well done, Orange Cassidy. And also, thank you for giving me the image of throwing Chris Jericho into a huge pool of orange mimosa. That really made my year. So (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That actually tips the balance in the favour of AEW. They're now 3-2 ahead. It's all to play for. WWE have got some work to do. They do, and we only have three categories left, so it's going to be fun to see who takes this one home. And without further ado, let's jump right on to the next category, which is Tag Team of the Year. And before I introduce our guest who's going to be announcing this, I'm going to hand it over to Joe for the nominees. What a year it's been for Tag Team Wrestling, might I just add. 
before we start. So our first nominee, it's your boys, The New Day. Then we've got The Street Profits, followed by FTR, The Young Bucks, Miz and Morrison, Best Friends, The Undisputed Era, Kenny Omega and Adam Page, Santana and Ortiz, or The Good Brothers. I don't know how you even decide. This one, for me, took me probably the longest to decide on, actually. It took me a long time to come to a conclusion here. I can understand why. There's really good contenders on this list. To announce the winner, a special guest from a wrestling gal podcast, Ella J. Hey guys, Ella J here of a wrestling gal podcast here to announce the tag team of the year. Now, they are the current AEW World Tag Team Champions. They may have won the titles back at full gear. They are the master of the super kick party. They are none other than the Young Bucks. So congratulations to the Young Bucks of AEW for winning Tag Team of the Year. Certainly well-deserved. Wow. Awesome. What a tag team. I'll be perfectly honest, as you already know, I'm not the hugest Young Bucks fan. Just because of the style, the high spots, never say never, false finish after false finish. That's just my opinion. They're amazingly talented. They're incredible. They're undoubtedly worthy of Tag Team of the Year. But personally, why I definitely agree with this one is for the amount of work they've done to elevate other people. They came in as the elite at the start of AEW. They could have easily just put the belts on them because they were the biggest tag team in the business. But no, they elevated all the other teams. They lost to Private Party in like the first or second round of the tag team titles competition. That takes a lot of heart and hats off to them because they've obviously had to think about their role on the card, but from more of a producer side because I know they're involved in the backstage goings on of AEW. And They've done an amazing job to elevate the whole division without making themselves look like the Kings. And yeah, they've got the belts right now, but in a way that fits because they're heel champions. They didn't do things the way that they've done them in the past. They've been super kicking officials and things backstage and throwing money around, making themselves look like people that you wouldn't necessarily befriend. I'm just trying to think of appropriate language to you. And yeah, I think they've got there the right way. Definitely a good job to them. And I'm not the biggest Young Bucks mark myself. So I didn't really like them when they were coming up, but I always appreciated their talent and what they could do during matches. But here's the thing. We have a very close call again. And all these close calls are just by one vote. Remember that all of these close calls that we've had and that we're going to have are only just by one vote. So in second place, just by one vote again, is Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page for Tag Team of the Year. Yeah, understandable. They had a great year. And they really grew as a tag team as well, initially coming in as two single stars. A great way of elevating Hangman, as well as keeping Kenny Omega at bay, but whilst keeping him on the cart. Initially, coming into AEW, apart from Chris Jericho, who are they going to put the belt on? Kenny Omega obviously, because it's Kenny Omega. All the heat he had coming off of his time in New Japan, it was the obvious choice. And the fact that they managed to produce a fantastic product without doing that and without being obvious and keeping the audience wanting more, but whilst keeping him in the limelight, awesome. Now he's a champ, great. Again, they've done it in the same style as the books. They've turned him heel. Kind of legitimizes him as a champion without just being like, oh, well, it's kind of 
Kenny works for the company, so like he's having about it's not that elitist elite approach. <laughs> oh, gosh, there's so much elite going on. I think they did it the right way. They definitely did. But correct me if I'm wrong here. AEW just pulled through 4-2, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, 4-2 to AEW. Goodness me. What's happening? It's turning into a landslide. Come on, WWE. Wow. You need to tag somebody in. Where's the hot tag? Let's see if our final two categories can bring it home for WWE. And for the next award, it is the Female Superstar of the Year. And to announce this, we have the owner and promoter of Ignite Wrestling and the only female-run promotion in all of Florida, Kim Artlip. But before we let Kim join in, let's hear the nominees. Oh, Kim is awesome. Keep doing what you're doing, Kim. You're an absolute trailblazer. Here are the nominees for Female Superstar of the Year. In at one, we've got Sasha Banks, followed by Bailey, followed by Oscar, Bianca Belair, Candice LeRae, Dr. Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa, Alexa Bliss, Rhea Ripley, and Shotzi Blackheart. Wow. Tough times. Definitely. Now over to Kim Artlip with this year's winner. Hi there, I'm Kim Artlip. I am the owner and promoter of Ignite Wrestling in Florida and a previous guest on the WrestleCast. It is my honor this year to be asked to announce the Female Superstar of the Year. From her Hell in a Cell headline match, to her title losses in tag team and singles action, to her heel turn and her feuds with Sasha Banks, Natalia, Bianca Blair, and matches with Shayna Baszler, she has set the bar for female wrestling this year. It is my privilege and honor to announce the Female Superstar of the Year is Bailey. Congratulations, Bailey, on this honor. And we can't wait to see what you're going to do in 2021. Wow. Bailey, out of that tough list of nominees, has won Female Superstar of the Year. And I honestly don't know what else to say. We've talked so much about Bailey just before she's won this award. And I don't think there's more we can say apart from what can we expect from her in 2021 well that's a big question but i think she's going to breeze into 2021 to be honest and she can just roll over the character she's already got what a year she's transformed from being a hugger to taking out inflatable uh, huggy men so awesome that was an image in itself making children cry it was a real transformation for bailey yes sasha was involved in the feud but i think bailey deserved it because she did the most she had to adapt the most and she did a great job. She definitely did. And now for the runner-up. This is a one that's out there. Mm-hmm. For the runner-up of Female Superstar of the Year, Sasha Banks. It had to be, though, didn't it? Yeah. It had to be. What I don't want to undervalue is how good the women's division has been this year, particularly across WWE. I know they're still developing their roster over on AW, but... On all three WWE shows, it's just been phenomenal. So I don't want to undersell anybody else. But just in terms of storylines and feuds, Sasha versus Bailey was the one, wasn't it? It was the best, for me anyway. So it only feels right that they should take the award and come second for female superstars of the year. Definitely. I don't think that 
there has been a more enticing storyline in the women's division. Like Sasha and Bailey, best friends turned enemies, turned into a great storyline. And the women's divisions really stood out in 2020. So I'm really happy with all the nominees and all the women in every single wrestling promotion who stepped up and really took that home plate and hit a home run. Yeah, and just as a footnote to that, really, I think because they took so long to build that story and really elevate those guys, anyone that now works with them just looks like gold. I mean, look at Carmella. I would have never thought, as much as I like Carmella, I liked her work initially, I never thought she would come back at this level. But that's through working with Sasha Banks. Yeah, her character's pretty kick-ass too. But the fact that she's now sharing a ring with Sasha Banks after what she's been through with Bailey just elevates her to the next level. For me, now Carmella is a main event female superstar, which I'm sure you'll agree, before she probably wasn't up there with Sasha and Bailey and Oscar. But now I can completely see that. And I think that in part is due to the hard work of Bailey and Sasha. I completely agree with you there. And I'm looking forward to Carmella as well. She came out of nowhere, really tore the house down with her character. And it's going to be really interesting to see how she pulls off her storylines and feuds in 2021. Now, that brings WWE up to three and AEW keeps the lead with four. This last winner is going to decide who takes it home. This is tense. I did not expect us to be in this position. Exactly, neither did I, but it's turning out to be very close and I love it. So without further ado, male superstar of the year, can we have the nominees, Joe? This is so close to call because there have been some real standout moments for all of these guys across the year. But here they are, the nominees for Male Superstar of the Year. We've got Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns, Randy Orton, Edge, Seth Rollins, Keith Lee, AJ Styles, Cody Rhodes, John Moxley, Kenny Omega. That's a tough bunch to choose from. It is, respectively, these guys have had the main stage at a different point across the year, and I wouldn't want to be the one that says who did it best. There's no way that you want to announce the winner of this and keep looking over your shoulder to see if any of the other nominees are going to walk up on you and try to hit you with something. Yeah, I don't want to get RKO'd out of nowhere or Claymore kicked or speared or anything like that. <laughs> but looks like I will because for this category I will be announcing the winner now this man had an absolutely amazing start to his year when he won the Royal Rumble then went on to WrestleMania 36 to defeat Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship from there he made 2020 a year to remember because he had some of the greatest badges, some of the greatest feuds, and Claymore kicked his way throughout the year. He even introduced us to Claymore Country. Imagine that, a new country in 2020. How awesome was that? If you've already guessed the name, you are absolutely right, because the male superstar of 2020 is none other than the Scottish warrior himself, Drew McIntyre. 
what an amazing year it was for him and I cannot wait to see what 2021 has in store for him. Awesome. Well done, Drew McIntyre. I am inclined to agree because of the sheer amount of hard work he's had to do in the sense that he went from being an upper mid-card tag team competitor to being the guy on the side of the bus in the middle of a global pandemic and carrying the company on his shoulder. So for that, absolutely. And he's regained the title, so he's a two-time champ now. For me, he's really cemented himself as a main event player in WWE. Sometimes you do see them peak and then they're there for a bit and then they get buried again. But I think Drew will be there to stay. What do you think? Definitely. There's no way Drew McIntyre is going anywhere. He's going to be there for a very, very long time. And the way that he's been performing, there's no way that you can take him off that main event card. Especially the way he managed to pull off such a great feud with Roman Reigns and really tell a great story with it. And I'm really excited to see, if it happens down the line, a tag team between Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. That would be gold. Mm, Yeah, because they've certainly gone down that warrior route, haven't they? I did think they could have been a little bit more imaginative when they just started referring to him as the Scottish warrior. I was like, hold on a minute, back up. We've already got a Celtic warrior, but if that's the way they're going to go, I think it could be cool. It's funny because he was referred to as a Scottish psychopath ever since he came back on NXT and then moved up to the main roster again. So to be the Scottish warrior from the Scottish psychopath is a huge jump. And he's living up to the name. Is there like a doctor who gives a diagnosis? Because (laughs) I think like Jim Glass is a psychopath. You need to be seen by a therapist at least, not just Michael Cole. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> What's worrying is that the WWE seem to think those two things go hand in hand. But <laughs> this, is the, this is professional wrestling, so we'll let some of it slide. I do like the term warrior, but it's a bit close to Sheamus's gimmick. I guess he's more of a brawler at the moment with his persona, but he'll always be the Celtic warrior, won't he? And obviously his online presence is like Celtic warrior workouts, so interesting to see. You know how wrestling is, never say never. The Scottish warrior today could be the scottish yep. king tomorrow so it'll I, always be good I, to see Ooh, king seamus we could get king seamus back <laughs> and they seem to love putting the tag belts on single champions at the moment they've done it twice this year with the women's title and to be fair if it gets the belts off the street profits i'm all for it anyone who listens to this podcast regularly will know that i I'm not a Street Profits fan. But sorry, I didn't mean to have a dig at the Street Profits. Like I say, they do seem to be following this trend of putting tag titles on singles champs. So you never know. Yeah, definitely. So if any of the listeners have the opportunity to meet Joe down the line, or if you run into him at the grocery store, just remember Apollo Crews, Street Profits, and anything else he's mentioned on past episodes is a topic of conversation off the table never to be lingered with. I've got my own list of Jarek Joe. (laughs) And those three just made the list. (laughs) Yeah, stop it. End the broadcast now. WWE and AEW have pulled a blinder and it has ended up with four apiece. 
unbelievable. I was not expecting that so early into AEW's existence. And it just begs the question going into next year, any predictions, anything you're anticipating, any surprises you think we might be in store for? It's hard to say. With mm. how wrestling is right now, it's really hard to anticipate any surprises. And just a few days ago, I was reading an article that was saying that there's nothing definitive that WWE has on their schedules or on their plans that can be used to map out 2021. So they're just going to be going with whatever at the time they feel can really go over, can really do well, and can make a difference. So for 2021, I'm not making any predictions. Amongst the craziness that's been this year, it's really pushed the envelope in terms of creativity. We've seen some incredible things. Like you say, we've seen the introduction of more cinematic style matches, like The Undertaker versus AJ Styles. One of the matches I actually mentioned, I think, for moment of the year, because the moment of the year was just your own opinion. There were no nominees you probably noticed. The thing I nominated was The Fiend versus John Cena in the Firefly Funhouse match, just as a piece of cinematography. That was insane. That was next level. And they just pulled it out of the bag near the time because of the global crisis. And they, it really forced some incredible pieces of creativity in personal wrestling. So for the craziness that this year has caused, we have seen some glimmers of creativity that I hope don't get forgotten because I know there's obviously a lot of talk about this. I can't wait for things to be back to normal, completely understandable. But I really hope they carry that level of creativity through into next year i think there's real potential there a couple of things i think we'll definitely see next year we'll see edge back in the ring i think edge is going to recover i think we'll see him back hopefully at mania you never know i think we'll see sting back in the ring too he signed with aw he's done a lot of interviews cut some promos but i think come a pay-per-view we'll see sting step back between the ropes don't know who you'll tie up against though because they're dangling that carrot like nobody's business I'd like to see him go up against Cody. It would be a good way if he chooses to either retire or just leave everything on the cliffhanger. He's signed a two-year deal, so I don't think it's going to be a retirement job. Everyone thought Dustin Rhodes was going to do the same thing, have that epic match against Cody and then call it quits, but no way. He's still around and he's still kicking it. So well done, Dustin. And I think there's potential for Sting to do it. Personally, I really want to see Sting versus Jericho. I think that could be so good. You just never know. And that's the beauty of professional wrestling. You just don't know. Even when the most sensical, logical thing that you think this has absolutely got to happen because they've put everything in the right place for it to unfold this way. And then it just doesn't. <laughs> for one of it happening, sometimes it just doesn't. And particularly WWE, just deny all existence of any storyline and just shift directions. Yeah, they definitely do. And like I said before, like you're saying now, 2021 in wrestling, I'd say it would be best if there were no predictions made because I'd say guaranteed that there is going to be a lot and a lot of surprises that pop out of nowhere. You never know. You can get one last Undertaker match if he decides to come back. You never know. You can get AJ Styles versus Edge somehow. The Fiend mm. comes back to haunt Randy Orton. And as I say, I will make to predictions. Haunt. I'm making predictions. Nice. I know you. You can't help but do it, <laughs> can you? 
Well, with that said, if you've got any predictions or any things that you'd like to look back on from across the year, then please get in touch with us via social media. We are all over the place, aren't we, Shozy? We definitely are. On Twitter, you can find us at RealWrestleDude, on Instagram, at the WrestleGram. And coming soon to YouTube, The Wrestling Dude. Coming soon to YouTube? Yep, you can find our past episodes, Joe's Bad Puns, Bad Puns from our guests, and past stories and advice from guests on there as well. So make sure you keep an eye out for that. And don't forget, if you want to listen to other episodes that we've done, make sure you check out Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can find podcasts. We are on there. You can also search Google for the WrestleCast with Shozy and go off of more results on there. We're like Charlotte Flair in early 2020. We're just everywhere. You can't turn a corner without seeing us. We're on every show at least four times. <laughs> Do you remember earlier on in the year, there was an episode of Raw, because we usually make notes, just a few notes, just to kind of document and make observations. I remember about six pages, because there was that one episode of Raw that had about... 35 segments and Charlotte Flair was in about nine of them. <laughs> this was the episode of Raw that never ended and Charlotte Flair was everywhere. <laughs> oh my gosh. What a year. I think we counted her on Raw itself. Make five entrances and three random run-ins to the ring. <laughs> they should change it. Raw is Flair. <laughs> Somebody make that t-shirt. Wow. Right, I'm out. I'm just gassing now. I'm not saying anything significant. Which is why this will be a perfect place to end this episode. What a year 2020 has been for wrestling. What a year it has been for the podcast. And before we finally say goodbye, thank you to each and every single one of the guests who came on to the episode and helped us out announce the winners. We hope to have you on again in the future. Until then, make sure you're listening to the WrestleCast with Shozy. Make sure you keep an eye out on YouTube for those bad puns and interviews. I've been Shozy. My name is Joe. And until next time. <laughs>